Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield College in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast will share these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy these stories. I'm Rachel Woody and I'm here with Maggie Bowman at Troon Vineyards Tasting Room in Carleton. And today is November 8th, 2013. And we're here with Maggie to talk about Dick Troon and her mother, Virginia, otherwise known as Jinx, and Fromme? Fromme. Fromme. So, Maggie, I'd like you to start off with how your parents met, or how Dick and your mother met. Well, oddly enough, our families met at church. Growing up, um, Dick and his wife had four daughters, and they were all the same ages as the three girls and the one boy in my family, and we all were very, very good friends. And so years after our parents separated, um, that friendship continued and he became a very important part of my life and my mom's life. And Dick was very much, he started off as a civil engineer, he was a river guide. How did he and your mother conceive of having a vineyard in that dream? Well, in that time, I was about 10, so my best recollection, I remember Dick Troon as being a visionary. He always looked at people and saw potential, and he always looked at the land and saw potential. He almost put the vineyard into olives. <laughs> um, he had heard people talking about how Southern Oregon was the same latitude as, as wonderful vineyard areas in France, and he's the type of person that just said, let's try it. Mm -hmm. So they did. We did. <laughs> right, and so you were age 10, and that was? 1968? How, About then, and I was a, it was 1972, I was 15 when I remember planting, helping plant vineyards. He had a pretty good workforce with the kids. So what were some of your, your duties as a 15-year-old? Well, I remember that there was a huge auger on the back of the tractor. It was very well mapped out, and it would, it would dig a nice big hole for the post, and then we were to follow along with the seedlings and plant them at a certain depth and mm -hmm. make sure they were firmly in and pack it down and water it and go to the next one. Mm -hmm. uh, what varietals did Dick and Jinx start with? Um, there was Zinfandel, there was Cabernet. I'm not actually a wine expert. I don't drink wine as an adult just because I don't prefer the flavor, but um, I know that when we started it was mostly Zinfandel. Do you happen to recall if wine was something that they enjoyed or if it was really down to that's what the land was good for? Wine was something that my family enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I always remember, even on special occasions, the kids would be given a little tiny serving of wine. For Dick and Jinx and their relationship, would you mind sharing a few of their stories and especially the ducks I would love to hear more about? Um, my parents were, Dick and Jinx, were married on April Fool's Day in Winnemucca, Nevada. And that was so that Dick could be there with our family while she went through extensive back surgery. Mm -hmm. And he earned our respect 
Um, we weren't too sure about him at first, but we grew to love and respect him. He was the type of man who would greet us at the greet strangers at the door with a shotgun if it had to do with the kids coming home late and somebody followed us home late one night and I don't know how he knew but he was standing in the driveway and he was protective um, he loved us like his own children so mm -hmm. he had a very large brood of kids um, my parents started doing the ducks when my mom was recovering from back surgery Dick went out to the shop, nobody knew he could carve, nobody knew he was particularly artistic, and he carved this great little duck out of basswood, and he walked into the house and handed my mom her paints and said, here, paint this. Mm -hmm. And that was the beginning of Troon and Troon wildfowl miniatures. And that turned into carousel animals and all sorts of things. And those duck carvings, they won several awards? They did. My parents entered lots of contests. They belong to the Pacific Flyway Association that looks, raises money and protects uh, migratory wildfowl, buying wetlands so that their, their paths don't get messed up as they're migrating. Um, a fun group of people. We were part of many events where they would have duck head carving contests, duck calling contests. <laughs> I'm sure they walked like ducks. I don't know. It was a very, very uh, fun memories of those get-togethers, and my parents won often. My mom um, was a very good painter, and she ended up being one of, both my parents ended up being uh, teachers at these events as well. Great. And for Jinx and Dick, for their vision for the vineyard, I, they looked at the land, they saw that it had great potential, they planted Zinfandel. Did they speak much about where they saw it going in the future or, or what their hopes were for that? I knew that their ultimate dream was a beautiful winery, mm -hmm. which has come to fruition. Um, in the beginning, they ended up just picking and selling their grapes to a vineyard in Rouge which was about half an hour away, and I should be able to remember that fellow's name, but I can't. Um, so for years and years and years, they just sold the grapes. Um, one of the things that happened when my mother passed in 1989 was the four of us kids didn't actually realize that he wasn't on the title to the property. Oh. He had instructed her not to put his name on. He said, I love you, not the land. So we were speaking about Dick and Jinx's vision and had left off when your mother passed away. Right. When my mom passed in 1989, um, we did not realize that Dick wasn't receiving the land, my mom. Uh, Dick had told her that he loved her and not the land. Mm -hmm. And I think my mom kind of tricked him because she left him half of it anyway. Um, the arrangement was for him to live there and stay there as long as he wanted and hopefully to continue with the winery dream, and he did. He did stick with the winery. He finally got the grapes all going to the point where it was enough to do their own winery. He brought in his own winemakers and started with humble beginnings and started the winery and had it going fairly well. 
Um, when he got up in years, in the late 70s, he decided that it was too much for him to do all by himself. And he sold the winery to the Martin family. And they embraced the vision of the winery. And they actually, I believe, created exactly what my parents' original dream was. And it's okay. absolutely beautiful. And I knew that when I walked in and there were finches, red finches in the water fountain. And that was my mother's favorite bird. Oh. So I told the Martin family that they had done a very good job of continuing. But he lived up the road and he stayed on for a couple years. And the Martins were um, astute enough to keep the true name and the true label. Mm -hmm. The Troon name has a lot of meaning down in Southern Oregon. Dick Troon was one of the pioneers in the industry in Southern Oregon. He was always there to help new winemakers and new vineyard owners. He was there with equipment if they needed it. He was there with um, wine cuttings, or not wine cuttings. He was there with grape cuttings. He even let people come and take cuttings from his more mature plants. So he, he reached out to a lot of people in Southern Oregon. He's well remembered. And along that same lines, I would love to hear, you had the most time with him, I believe you said, as a child growing up. I was about 10 or 11, sixth, seventh grade, when Dick Troon entered my life as my stepfather. And he grew to, we grew to respect him. We, we weren't sure about this new man in our life, but he ended up being a real rock for us. Um, along with me personally taking FFA in the ninth grade, learning how to weld and solder and things like that, he taught me how to use all the machinery in my parents' workshop, the, the drill, the lathe, the bandsaw, everything. Mm -hmm. um, I was taught how to carve. He always was cutting out wooden spoons to keep us busy, so we would carve spoons. We gave a lot of gifts. My favorite thing that he taught me how to carve was you take a, a, a dowel of wood and you carve it into a chain with wow. the, the links connected. Um, I believe that I'm able to do my silversmithing now because of the, the work that he did with me with tools, and I have absolutely no fear of tools and power tools. The bigger, the louder, the more destructive, the better. <laughs> uh -huh. um, he had a really big impact in my life. He was very giving, one of the first to offer a neighbor a tractor if they needed it, mm -hmm. dig them out, pull them out of the mud or the snow, whatever. And that's very much how he's remembered down there. And if you wouldn't mind, could you share the story about him when he went to his father's funeral? When Dick Troon went to his father's funeral, he found more people than he expected waiting in line. And somebody had said that his father was one of the type of people that if, if you weren't his friend, it was because you hadn't met him yet. And that he made the lives of the people he met better and stronger for having known them. Um, Dick Troon decided that day that that was the type of person he wanted to be. And, and frankly, He's the type of person that if you heard something bad about him, you wouldn't believe it. Mm. That was his reputation in the community because he, everything he did was from the heart and it was selfless. Mm. Now you had mentioned earlier a woman by the name of Alice Silverman. 
Would you mind sharing a few words about I her? I would be happy to. Alice Silverman is a lovely woman from Newport who came into my stepfather's life after my mother's passed. And at first I wasn't too sure. I was prepared to, to give her the cold shoulder. And she melted my heart within the mm -hmm. first five minutes. She's an absolute doll. And she and Dick Troon um, were companions um, until, the, until he passed a year or two ago. And she now still lives, um, she's 93, she still lives in Newport. Do you happen to recall if Alice was involved with Churn Vineyards or was very much just a... She was not so much a Troon Vineyard fan, she was the number one Troon fan. So she was the, the woman behind Dick in the last few years, supporting him and encouraging him and, and loving him. Mm -hmm. If you were to summarize, if that's even possible, your experience with Dick Troon and, and growing up on the vineyard, what, what would be your takeaway from that? He had a heart big enough to take in every person he met and make a difference in their lives. He, there are numerous, uh, numerous friends of mine and my brothers and sisters who remember Dick Troon like their dad. He was always there with advice, with a helping hand. Mm -hmm. um, He's just a good egg. Well, Maggie, that was my list of guided questions. Is there something that I didn't ask you or that we haven't covered that we should? No. <laughs> I've got a couple stories, but they're not suitable for printing. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, plus photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you by the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield College. The executive producer is Kiana Anderson. Producers are Rich Schmidt, Rachel Woody, Stephanie Hoffman, and Camille Weber. And a special thanks to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.